Red Bull dominance, surprise contenders and regressing teams. This week I'm chatting about the top 5 teams in the F1 Constructors Championship. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the Stewart's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Stewart's office. I'm Syra, and today I'm going to have a chat about the top 5 teams in the Constructors' Championship right now. Last week I covered the bottom 5 teams, so head over to that episode if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but just like last week, I'm going to be looking at each team's season so far, what the drivers and TPs are saying, and how the rest of the season might look for them with their planned upgrades. So, let's get into it. We're going to start off with a team that Well, they definitely had some luck in Australia, and that's McLaren. Currently in P5, and honestly, look, no offence, but this has to be the most misleading team in the constructor standings right now. They were in dead last up until Australia, and now they've managed to leapfrog all the way up to P5. You know what, let's just get into their first three races to figure out what is really going on with them. Starting off in Bahrain, this wasn't the season opener that the team were hoping for. Oscar was eliminated in Q1, Lando in Q2, with Lando saying that he felt that he got everything out of the car in that Q2 session. And the race was just an absolute nightmare for both of the drivers. For Oscar, I don't really know how much worse it could have gotten for him after he DNF from his first ever F1 race but an electronics issue meant that he only managed to do 13 laps. And Lando, I did wonder why they opted not to finish his race earlier. He was having pneumatic and PU issues throughout the entire race. I think he pitted about five or six times, but somehow they managed to get through the issue and got him to finish the race. So reliability was just not looking good for them from the outset. Andrea Stella thought that points were a possibility for the team though without all the issues that they had. So maybe they had some data that was showing that they had pace that we just didn't see. But Saudi didn't really improve for them either. Oscar ended up having contact with Pierre Gasly during that very first lap and that meant that he had to pitch straight away for a new nose. Lando then got hit by the debris from that very incident and also had to pit for a new nose. So both of them were running a really compromised race from the get-go. The end of the race did give them a chance to get some racing in, even though some of that was against each other, but this ended up being another pointless race for McLaren. And Andrea Stella came out with the usual statement. They thought that they could get into the points, but it just didn't happen. So yeah, I do get that from those first two races, we didn't really see anything from them. Both of their races for both drivers ended up being compromised, which probably didn't give us the best picture of the McLaren race pace. And then came along the Australian Grand Prix, and what was the team's best race so far? After Alex's DNF on lap 10, both of the drivers were running in the top 10. Lando seemed to be able to keep that place in the points paying positions a lot easier than Oscar did, but after 8 DNFs and a 5 second time penalty from Carlos Sainz, both of the cars did end up in the points. 
And look, I do think a points finish was probably on the cards for Lando, but just not as high as P6. And for Oscar, I don't know. I think he would have been close to the points, but just maybe not in the top 10. Basically, guys, without all of the chaos, I don't think McLaren would be sitting in P5 right now. Probably not at the bottom of the table without any points, but not where they are right now. It's definitely been difficult to get a read on the McLaren car, and right now, the best thing I can go by for them is their quality pace, and that hasn't been spectacular either. Oscar had a pretty good run in Saudi to get into Q3, but overall, I think the team is still trying to find a really good setup that can extract some good pace over one lap. Looking at their results though, it's just been a disappointing start to the season. McLaren for the past couple of years have been fighting to get back to the front and it feels like they're stagnant in their growth right now. The past two seasons they've been fighting for P4 and the Constructors and this year as of right now it just feels like they're in no man's land. They are making structural changes to the team in the hopes that it might change something but those changes might take a little time to come through. I don't think it's going to have a massive impact on this current season. McLaren are bringing their first set of updates to Baku, which is the next race, and Andrea Stella is not expecting it to be an absolute game changer for them, but he thinks it's going to be a step in the right direction for the team, hopefully helping them to fight for points without there being so much chaos at the front in order to get there. The drivers and the team still seem pretty hopeful with their car for the season though, they think there is some race pace to be had there, and from what I've read, I think they're bringing three upgrade packages over the next few months now, so it'll be interesting to see if the car concept changes at all, and if we'll see visible changes to the car, and just how much of an impact those upgrades will actually have. Andrea Stalas said that so far, what they're seeing on track is correlating to their wind tunnel data, so he's expecting to see the same from the upgrades that they're bringing, positive change and no regression in their performance, but it's just a matter of how much positive change that is that they can bring, and if it's able to keep up with the upgrades that other teams will be bringing. But yeah, McLaren is just a weird one for me. I don't think the car is doing as great as last year, but it's just hard to get a proper read on them right now and figure out where they're really going to be ending up. Coming in at fourth is Scuderia Ferrari. Where do I start with this team? This time last year, after three races, they were first in the Constructors' Championship with Charles leading the Drivers' Championship. And now, the team are in fourth and Charles has six points, two DNFs and a penalty to his name. It's been a messy season start for them, with things not exactly going to plan at the season opener. To be fair, Charles did seem like he had some good pace at the start of Bahrain. He could hang on with Max for a little bit before he eventually dropped back, but I thought we'd get to see him on a podium. Then, though, I see him pulling onto the side of the track with an electrical issue and having to DNF from the first race of the season. On the other side of the garage, tyre degradation was an issue for Carlos, which meant that he also lost a podium place. To be fair, the tyre degradation issue had come up in testing, so hopefully Ferrari are trying to figure out how to combat that. Saying that though, the race pace wasn't a surprise for the team. Carlos said that they'd expected it to be a difficult race after their pre-season testing, but for me, that electronics reliability issue is definitely a bigger cause for concern right now. 
Saudi seemed a little bit better for the team since neither Ferrari had to DNF, but Charles was taking a grid place penalty for exceeding the number of allowed control electronics. Two races into the season, and already having to take a grid place penalty for exceeding parts? I mean, surely that has to be just a little bit concerning for the team, right? Especially when there are 23 races this season. The team weren't entirely impressed with their car on race day and realised that there was a gap between their qualifying and race pace that they are really going to have to try and close to get closer to the front. The pace for both of the drivers was consistent though, but that consistency meant that they stayed behind both of the Mercs and Fernando Alonso's Aston Martin. So coming away from that race, you could tell that there was some work that needed to be done to make sure that the car was fast enough to get past two teams that I'm sure Ferrari were expecting to do better than this season. It was interesting though because Fred and Carlos had mentioned that they were expecting a better pace from the car in Saudi, so I'm not really sure what happened there with the car for it not to be performing the way that they had expected it to. And then there was Australia, which was probably the most disappointing race for the entire team, with both drivers unable to come away with any points. Charles didn't even get a race down under after contact with Lance Stroll, but Carlos looked like he was going to have a much more promising afternoon. The car seemed to be performing a little bit better, and even with the safety car pit at the start of the race, putting Carlos at a disadvantage, he still managed to make some really good overtakes to work his way up the field again. But a 5 second time penalty took away P5 from the team and what would have been a welcome haul of points. So there was definitely a huge amount of bad luck for the team that day. Saying that though, Ferrari have appealed the decision about Carlos's 5 second time penalty, so there could be a chance that they will actually get some points from Australia, but I'm not too sure how likely that'll be. Hopefully it won't be too long till we get a decision from that though. Overall, Australia was a race for them to forget. Neither driver has managed to get on a podium so far this year, which, when you compare it to their form last year, seems crazy. But I don't think there's any better word for me to describe Ferrari right now other than disappointing. Their form was good last year. Strategy was a huge thing that did let them down, but the car itself wasn't bad, and there was something good for them to build on. But I don't know what's happened over winter break that they've seemingly fallen behind Aston Martin and, by the looks of it right now, also Mercedes. And I know some of this has been down to being unlucky, but there are also some reliability issues at play, and I'm not entirely sure if Ferrari know why their car has been behaving the way it has over the past three races. Upgrades-wise, it looks like there are three main areas that Ferrari are going to be bringing changes to, and that's the floor the suspension, and also finding a way to make the car less sensitive to external variables. These aren't just to try and bring more overall performance to the car, but also to give it a bigger working window so the engineers can try and find that perfect setup for each race. So with that being said, I don't think that these are going to be huge upgrade changes. Fred Vasseur has already ruled out a change in concepts, he's sticking with the bathtub side pods and doesn't think there's an issue with them. And to be fair, yeah, I'd say the same, because the car did seem to work fairly well last year, but reliability and strategy were their main issues. And as for the drivers, 
Well, you've got Carlos trying to get the Tifosi to stick by the team. He knows it's not been the best start for the Scuderia, but just wants the fans to stick by them. And Charles, on the other hand, is urging and hoping that the team will manage to do some work in the gap between Australia and Baku that will improve the car. But look, even if they do manage to find something, I don't think it's going to make a whole load of difference, at least not in terms of getting to where they were last year. I don't think P2 in the constructors right now is the most realistic thing for them. I'm going to say they're going to be fighting for P3 to P4, which is a step back from last year, but from what we've seen so far of them, I think it's the best we're going to get. Coming into the top three now, and Mercedes have claimed P3 so far this season. Bahrain saw both of the drivers finishing P6 and P7, but their race pace compared to the top three teams that day was not there. And had Charles not DNF, then they probably would have both been bumped down another place. The team were heading back to Brackley to find a way to bring some performance to the car quickly, but that was also accompanied by a pretty lengthy letter from Mercedes apologising to the fans for their performance. And let's be honest, it was a little overkill, but it did bring across the massive amount of disappointment that the entire team were feeling. Saudi was a little bit better for them taking home P4 and P5, even though for a minute it did look like there was going to be a podium for George after the issues with Alonso's penalty. But they did manage to keep ahead of the Ferraris this time, still slower than Aston though, and realistically, I think Red Bull are going to be out of everyone's reach this season, so we aren't even counting them in. Toto did say after the race that there were some massive steps in terms of development that were being made at the factory, but it was going to take them a while to try and compete with the Red Bull's pace. The feeling from Mook was just a lot more positive compared to Bahrain, a lot more chins up and just more hope that was coming out of the team and that might have been because of some of the results that they were seeing out of the wind tunnel, but either way, it just seemed like a much more positive camp at Mercedes. Australia was a bit of mixed luck for the team. There was a massive fire at the back of George's car, which meant that he had no other choice but to DNF. Reliability wasn't really an issue for Mercedes last season, but seeing your engine up in flames might be a bit concerning for the team back at the factory. Toto was saying that from the initial luck of it, a cylinder has completely gone, so George is more than likely to be taking another engine at Baku. And is that really a surprise after seeing what happened on track? Lewis had a much better race though, and the team managed to secure P2, which was their first podium of the year. They aren't getting ahead of themselves though, they seem to be happy that they were able to keep up with the pace of Aston Martin, but I think for them, they're gonna want to see the team pulling ahead of Ferrari and Aston, not just being on par with them. There is also the fact that Australia didn't have a mass amount of tyre deg for the teams, and that could have helped Mook out, and we also don't know if this is something that is more track specific for their car. It might not be something that we see a repeat performance of, but regardless of all of that, I think it's probably raised the morale for a lot of members of the Mercedes team. Look, Merck committed to the no-pods concept again this year. They thought the improvements last year were worth it and that there was performance to be found, but they've just been struggling to find it in that car, and I don't think it's been as easy to unlock as they thought it was going to be. And committing to it has meant that they've hampered their performance for the start of the season. I get that last year the team was saying that scrapping the concept would mean that they would have to go back to square one, but it looks like that's what they're planning on doing now anyway. 
Apparently, over winter break, they had seen that the car wasn't giving the best numbers in the wind tunnel, or at least not numbers that they were happy with, and they've been working on changing the concept of the car since then. So, in terms of the upgrades that we know Mercedes are bringing, Andrew Shevlin mentioned we should be seeing some upgrades over the next five races. So, in either Baku or Miami, we might be seeing some changes to the mechanics and the cooling of the car. Imola, though, is the race that Mercedes fans are gonna wanna keep an eye out for because that should be the one where we see a change in car concept, which will include, but is not limited to, the side pod shape. Do I think it's gonna end up looking more like the Red Bull? Potentially. Toto said he doesn't really care what the car looks like, if it's similar to the Red Bull or not, he just wants the car to be fast. Which I mean fair, because that's what I'm hoping for as well. And then finally, the Spanish GP should be bringing some upgrades to build on the concept change that'll happen in Imola. So it should be an interesting couple of races for the team, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye out to see if the changes that are being made will actually make any difference especially that concept change. I want to know what the car is going to look like and whether it does give them some more race pace and is a nicer car for the drivers. Because if those upgrades don't work out for them, then I don't really know where Mick goes from this point. So there's a lot riding on them to work out and to try and get closer to the front. I am pretty excited to see what they've got in store for us though. In P2 is the biggest surprise of the year for the majority of F1 fans, and that is Aston Martin. I can't lie, I think I'm still in a little bit of shock at just how well their car is doing this season. I really did not believe Christian Horner when he said that he'd heard some really good numbers coming out of Aston Martin and thought that they would be a top team, but apparently he was right. Bahrain was an incredible race for both of their drivers. It's pretty obvious why for Fernando, who picked up his first podium with Aston Martin on what was his first outing with them, managing to stay ahead of Ferrari and Mercedes, so absolutely phenomenal race for him. And for Lance to come in at P6 after not attending pre-season testing and his wrist still not being 100% was incredible. Mike Crack was so happy with the progress the team has made between last year and the first race of the season, and they just seemed to be able to keep up the form that they had during pre-season testing, which not all teams had been able to, or I think in the case of Aston, people thought they were showing their cards too early, and that they would actually be slower than what they had shown in pre-season testing. Saudi was probably equal parts joy and equal parts disappointment for everyone at Aston. Fernando managed to once again keep ahead of the Ferraris and the Mercs to take another podium, even though it did take a little while to confirm it. Lance, on the other hand, had to DNF after he had some power issues and the team asking him to stop on track. But I think overall, Fernando's pace showed that the AMR 23 is not a one-trick pony. It wasn't a car that could only perform well in Bahrain, the street circuit of Saudi also wasn't proving to be an issue. And out in Australia, Fernando took three of three, his third P3 in three races, which just proves how consistent the car was for them. Sure, Lewis did finish ahead of him this time, but I don't think that was because of a lack of pace from Aston and just more of Mercedes having caught up to their pace a little bit. After that contact with Carlos right at the end of the race though, I did think it was going to be game over for him. But apparently, Aston didn't just build a fast car, but also a really strong one. 
Lance also managed to get into P4, so it was a pretty strong race weekend for the entire team. Both of their drivers seem really happy with the car, and I haven't really heard any complaints from either of them. They seem really comfortable, happy with the pace, and just enjoying the racing that they're getting to do at the front of the pack. The same with Mike, he seems really happy with the team effort, but he's trying to make sure that nobody gets ahead of themselves. He's trying to keep everyone grounded and just to take it race by race, which is probably the best thing to do, but I think most of the team at Aston Martin are gonna struggle with that when they've just had this absolutely phenomenal start. I mean, how are you meant to try and keep super grounded when you went from being one of the back marker teams to having three podiums in the first three races of the year? I think the main thing Mike wants from the team right now though is just not to lose focus because Aston Martin are a testament to how quickly things can change in the sport. So he doesn't want the team to kind of sit back and think, yeah, we've got this in the bag, it's fine, no problem. Because there are so many teams behind them that are fighting to catch up with a lot of developments in the pipeline. According to Mike, after the Australian Grand Prix, there are some planned upgrades, or at least some parts, they're going to be bringing to the next few races but they are planning on bigger improvements in the later part of the season. Baku, Imola and Montreal should see them with some new parts, and they're also planning a few new parts in Silverstone. Essentially, they're going to be bringing a few small bits to each of these races from what I've read and what I've seen, instead of having a big upgrade package like some of the other teams have planned. They are working on just bringing some more performance to the car, which they're going to have to do to make sure that they can keep ahead of the rest of the field. We already saw in Oz that Mick managed to find some pace to get on par with them, so I'm sure Aston are going to be working hard to make sure they don't give up that P2 in the constructors, and also get some race wins along the way. Look, as long as they have good reliability and the upgrades they're bringing work and can keep them ahead, I don't really see any reason why they couldn't keep P2 in the constructors. And I also don't see any reason why those upgrades wouldn't work when you see how well the car is already working. The more they learn about their car, surely the only thing that can happen is that it's gonna get better. And I also think that they have two drivers that really want to keep the team up there in the standings and are gonna do everything they can on a race weekend to make sure that happens. Right now, the worst place I could see them finishing in is P4. But I don't know, my gut is saying P3 will be the lowest for them, but I'm going to say P4 just in case. Regardless, this is definitely going to be their strongest season since becoming Aston Martin, and I think it's going to be a pretty consistent season for them as well. And finally, taking the top spot of the Constructors' Championship is Red Bull Racing. They've pretty much had a dream start to this season, having won all three races and pulling ahead of everyone, both on the track and in the constructor's standings. Really, what is there to say about the team and their races so far? They've had such a comfortable lead against the rest of the teams that they can just breeze and cruise for most of the race, especially for Max. His pace in Bahrain was incredible and he seemed so at ease with the car. Out in Saudi, a P15 start didn't stop him from making his way up to P2, with Checo managing to get the win for Red Bull that time around. Two races in, and the team had already secured a back-to-back 1-2, and I think that's pretty much set the tone for them for the rest of the season. 
Australia did put an end to their one-twos though, but that wasn't really down to the car. Checo had such a horrible quality session, seeing him crash out and end up starting in P20, and then ending up in P5, which, don't get me wrong, is not a bad result at all. I think some of the chaos with all the restarts might have hindered him making up a couple of more spaces though, but the fact that P5 is a disappointing result for Red Bull says it all. There just isn't another team that's even remotely close to them, and I can't see that changing over the course of the season. They've managed to build on what was already an extremely good car from last year, and have blown it out of the water this year. The advantage that they're able to build up in just a few laps of the race doesn't seem real. It doesn't look like a car with any kind of weaknesses, no areas where they're really struggling, and so far there have been no tracks where the car isn't happy. Their DRS seems to be on another planet. They're able to breeze past cars and build up an even bigger advantage. They've set the benchmark and it's just their times that everyone else is going to be chasing. But like I said, I just don't see it happening this season and maybe even potentially next season because they're not going to stop working on their car. According to AMUS, there should be a significant upgrade package in Baku, but whenever they decide to bring an upgrade, however big it is, it's always going to be a cause of concern for the rest of the teams, because I can only see it making the car better. These new wrecks have not really seen Red Bull falter. While the first couple of races in 2022 when reliability looked like it was going to be an issue for the team, they've not really had much of a worry from the outside, so I don't see Red Bull giving up P1 and the constructors at any point this season. The car is just too strong and way too far ahead of the pack for anyone to challenge them. And that about sums up the top five teams in the championship. I think we're going to be in for some really interesting battles from P2 to P4, so Aston, Mick and Ferrari, I think we're going to see some interesting battles there and probably some switches in the standings at that sort of area. But in all honesty, I am just so excited to see what upgrades are coming to all other cars and what difference they might make to the races. It is going to be one interesting development race this season. Thank you guys so much for watching. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at stewards underscore office. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office.